from St. Luke's Gospel, Jesus said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, friends. You know, when my kids were little, they used to watch this TV show called The Veggie Tales. Y'all know it? I used to watch them too, I'll be honest. But uh, it's kind of funny. They were basically, it was a Christian cartoon, and they used vegetables because at the time they were easy to portray on film. And, and what the Veggie Tales were were essentially Christian stories that were sort of presented in a little kid's kind of way. I'll give you two examples. There was uh, two that come to mind for me because I saw them probably 500 times each, but uh, there was Dave and the Giant Pickle, which is David and Goliath. There was Josh and the Big Wall, which was Joshua's conquest of Jericho. You might even see these exploits of Madame Blueberry or Silly Songs with Larry, where Larry sings a silly song. But you know, I never saw a VeggieTale story about our text from Luke's Gospel today. Could you imagine? The rich man and Lazarus, the VeggieTale version. Where the rich man, the rich pickle from hell, calls up to Abraham, the asparagus, from hell and asks him to cool his tongue. Maybe it's just me, but I'm just not seeing that one in a veggie tale anytime soon. Amen? So, and I'm not knocking the veggie tale people, because look, this is an uncomfortable text, which is why we're going to talk about it today. Uh, this is a difficult text, and some of you may know another way to handle the problem would be just to avoid it. Thomas Jefferson, you know who he was? Famous... Um, progenitor of our country, founding father, and a heretic. Uh, he, what he would do when he came across a passage he didn't like, he would just cut it out and leave it on the floor. We actually have it. It's called the Jefferson Bible. And it's basically a compilation of all the silliest things that Jesus said, right? If you ever want to know where gentle Jesus, meek and mild came from, it came from Thomas Jefferson, who excised all the things he didn't like and came up with nice guy Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, an emasculated Jesus. And here's the deal. Let's just dive in, man. This is a tough parable. We're talking about heaven and hell. And it, it, at least for me, it overflows with the squirm factor, right? You, you hear it and you think, surely there's got to be something going on here that makes it not say what it's saying, but it actually says what it says. And it overflows with the squirm, the squirm factor because that's precisely Jesus' point. Remember something really important. Jesus Christ is the consummate pastor, which means as the consummate pastor, his primary responsibility is the salvation of your soul and mine. To be a straight shooter, to warn people when the bridge is out, and to encourage them when they've gone astray. So today we're going to look at two things from Jesus' uh, parable this morning. I'm going to look at really a profound one, which is a call to vigilance about one's life. And then secondly, the decision, decision to believe. So the first point is a, a warning, a warning, a pastoral loving warning to be vigilant about your life and mine, point one. And secondly, the decision to believe. You ready? No veggie tales today, folks. Sorry. Maybe next week. Anyway, so the, 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 the story today from the gospel, Luke's gospel is a parable. 
So it, it's not historical narrative, but it does teach an important, uh, important story. And of course, in a parable, as you know, the people in the parable are God and you. Okay? So there's, the parable's in three parts. The situation before Lazarus' death, I'll get to that in a minute. The situation in the afterlife, when, when Lazarus and the rich man are in heaven and hell. And then finally, Jesus' commentary, his explanation, his sermon, if you will, about the events that transpired. So the first person I want to zero in, in on briefly is this poor man named Lazarus. And then the rich man who is left unnamed. By the way, if you leave somebody unnamed in Scripture, it's kind of an implied slight, but that's, that's another matter. Verse 19 tells us this man was very wealthy. He lives in a big house. He's got a gate. He wears fancy clothes. He wears things made out of purple dye, which is very expensive. And he has fine linen. Fine linen, which means expensive underwear, frankly. Uh, so just saying, you know. He, uh, in other words, he spares no expense. This is a man who lived in wealth and self-indulgence, who spared no shortcoming to enjoy the good life. He's kind of like, best I've got, is sort of a first century Jewish Hugh Hefner. <laughs> Seriously, that's kind of the guy we see here. That Hugh Hefner, right, who is this, uh, the playboy guy, who lived a life of complete self-satisfaction and personal pleasure, listen, as life's highest aim. That's the rich man. The rich man with the expensive underwear. And then secondly, we see Lazarus, this poor, crippled beggar who lays in front of the rich man's house and begs for food and people just pass him by. Remember that in the first century, unlike today, in the first century there was no safety net, there was no social uh, system in place to take care of you if you, couldn't, if you couldn't work. If you couldn't work, you couldn't eat. If you couldn't grow it or kill it, you starved. The point being that this man is at the complete um, mercy of people who would pass him by. And the, the, the thing which I want to dial in on today, because it's really uncomfortable for me and probably for you too, is that people pass this Lazarus guy. We want to blame the rich dude, but it's a lot closer to home. And here's why. People pass this Lazarus by day in and day out, and they don't pay him a second glance. The human beings, including the rich man, walk by this man daily and don't even consider his condition. And to make it even a little more uh, zing-worthy, zing Jesus says, you know, the human beings that walk by, they couldn't care less about this man who's crippled, but the dogs, who are feral dogs, they even come by and lick his sores. The point being that this man, Lazarus, is somebody who is of no account. And a people who just pass by and don't notice. Let me give you an example. Way back, gosh, 30, 35 years ago, 30 years ago, I worked in Philadelphia once, right by the Liberty Bell. Anybody ever worked downtown Philadelphia? It's a great place to work. I used to take the R5 from Exton downtown into uh, Market Street Station, get out of the subway, come out, all these nice shops, and that part of Philadelphia, the historic district, is very nice. And I can't remember coming out of, the under, uh, out of the subway, out onto the street, and uh, walking along with people just hustle and bustle, going to work, you know. And there was a, a lump of, uh, of blankets on the side of the road. I thought, well, that's kind of strange, just sort of sitting there. I thought it was just trash someone had left out. And as I walked by, I noticed that it was a, it was a person. 
And it was cold. It was really cold, which is why people were in a hurry to get to the office and warm up a little bit. And one thing which struck me is that everybody ignored him, including me. People walked by that man, this lump of humanity, this Lazarus on the side of the road, and literally paid no mind. He was a man of no account. Nobody cared a bit. And the reason is, the reason I did it, is that my 25-year-old 20, swagger, now that I worked downtown in Philadelphia and was making money, but thought to myself, was, well, you know what? That's not my problem. That ain't my problem. I'm busy. I'm a busy man. I got to get to work. I got a family to feed. I got places to be. It's not my problem. It's the same picture, and this is why this, this parable really bothers me. It's the same picture that Scripture paints for us today. The rich man, yeah, he's easy to blame. Everybody wants to blame the rich. But the rich man, the problem I want you to see here is this rich man, listen, this is really important. He doesn't actively persecute Lazarus. He, he's not being mean. He's not being cruel. He's not going out there and kicking him, you know, and, hey, Lazarus serves you right. No, he just, the, 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 the tragedy is that he just doesn't care. So wrapped up in himself, too busy, it's not my problem. Friends, if you're like me, and you are, it is so easy to fall into not my problem. When I walked by that man or that woman, I couldn't even tell you what that lump of humanity was on the side of the road outside Market Street Station. Couldn't even tell you. But I can tell you this, that as I walked by, I did nothing. Know why? It's not my problem. Not because I was mean. I'm not a mean person. Not because I'm cruel. Not because I'm not caring. I was just too focused on me. I was too focused on getting to work and my own life. Friends, here's Jesus's, here's the point of the parable. I think, because it scares the hell out of me. Jesus says, look, man, be careful. Be mindful. Be aware. The, the, the irony is that this rich man is not cruel. He's just doing what he does every day. He does what everybody does every day. He wasn't cruel. He was just focused on himself. And if you're like me, and you are, there's a lot of rich men in us. And a lot more than I'd like to believe. And that leads me to my first point. And this is a pastoral point. That Jesus' words remind us, listen, to be vigilant vigilant, frosty about how we live our lives. The parable is a reminder that bears repeating every single day to stop and think, to make your decisions carefully. And to consider that your life is not about you. Jesus' words are a reminder to us, to all of us, that friends, heaven and hell are real things. And, you know, we all want to think that hell is a result of spectacular wickedness, right? That the likes of, you know, you know that the likes of Joseph Stalin and Pol Pot and Adolf Hitler, they're rare in, human life, in the human experience. But we desperately want to say, well, those guys are bad, right? We want to look at hell as spectacular wickedness. But which, which really bothers me about this, about this parable is the subtlety of it. There is no spectacular wickedness here. There's no even cruelty here. 
there's this disregard and pride and a lack of concern for others. What I would submit to you this morning, friends, is that hell is perhaps more a series of small steps, a consequence of our daily decisions to do or not to do what God calls us to do. It's like the old boiling, how do you boil a frog, right? You don't throw them in boiling water. You put them in a pot of water. Why would you want to boil a frog in the first place? But begs the question. But you put them in a pot of water, you turn it up slowly, right? That's, this is the idea here, that heaven is not great big whiz-bang cruelty. That's easy to spot. The, the, the trick is that hell is a consequence of small decisions, tiny little decisions, little tiny tugs that pull us ever so slowly, friends, towards heaven or towards hell. There's a book written back in 1990. If you've read the book, tell me later if it was good or not. It, I, I love the title. I've never actually read the book. Maybe I should. Uh, written by a guy named Robert Bork, who was a Supreme Court justice at one point in his failed attempt to make it to the bench. But Robert Bork wrote a book called, I love the title, Slouching Towards Gomorrah. Anyone ever read it? Slouching towards Gomorrah. I love the image because it's not, you know, it's, it, what his point is, it's, it's these little, tiny, small acts of good or bad, evil or goodness, pride or caring. The point of this book is that heaven and hell are not the result of spectacular goodness or wickedness, you know? Mother Teresa and Adolf Hitler, they're on the extremes, right? And all of us are probably somewhere in that middle part. And instead, what we do, if we're not careful, is we slouch gradually towards Gomorrah. The slow, steady, day-to-day -day decisions. The gradual wearing away of our very souls. The power of erosion, as it were. That is what determines our fate. Remember that Jesus is, is a parable. And it's simple and it bears frequent reminder, friends. Simply this. Be intentional. Be, in, be deliberate. Stay frosty. Make a daily decision, an hourly decision about how you will live and the decisions you will make, the small ones, the tiny ones. It's not my problem. It should never cross the lips of a Christian. So let me ask you a question, right? Because this isn't about a rich man and Lazarus. It's about you and me. It's a parable. It's about you and me. Where in your life, and God knows I've got lots of them, where in your life do you know that you need to make a change? Maybe, maybe you don't take your church attendance all that seriously. You're kind of casual about it, right? Even though God says that's the first thing you should do the first day of the week. Or maybe you've let an important relationship deteriorate, not because you're mean, you just kind of walked away, right? Kind of not that important anymore. Or maybe you've, I don't know, man, fill in the blank. You've all got something. But where do you need to make a change today? Where do you know in your heart, and if you're not sure, ask the Holy Spirit or your wife or your husband, somebody who knows you. Ask somebody, where, what do I need to do to change, make a change? Because, friends, the thing which really bugs me about this parable is not the heaven and hell, cooling the tongue and all that. Yeah, that's dramatic. But what really scares me is that this, that this man's fate was a consequence of the tiny little decisions that he made in his life. And that's my first point, that our parable, friends, is a warning, a warning, a pastoral warning to be vigilant, to be careful, to be intentional. And the second thing I'm going to look at then is 
the decision, listen, the decision to believe. So Lazarus dies and goes to heaven, and the rich man dies, and he finds himself in hell. And where it gets really strange, go back and look at it again. It's a very subtle parable, actually. The rich man, even in hell, still doesn't get it. I mean, he, he's there, and he says, Lazarus, hey, woo, you, remember me? Yeah, the guy that I never gave you a thing. Yeah, dip your finger in the water and cool my tongue. I'm in hell. I've been, I'm suffering. Lazarus, tell my brothers. Lazarus, do something for me. And Abraham says, whoa, rich man, hang on here, pal. This, you know, you lived your life in luxury and comfort and a disregard for other people. You are condemned to eternity and suffering while this pathetic Lazarus enjoys life of a place of honor next to Abraham himself. Why is that? And then finally, in the very, at the very end, the man in the, the first act of compassion in the story says, well, okay, 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 I get it. Verse 28, look at it again. Somebody please go and warn my brothers, lest they also come into this place of torment. Watch this, it's, but it's too late. Abraham says, look, look, they have the law, the brothers have the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets is a way of saying the Hebrew scriptures, right? So they have, they have scripture, and this is the crucial point. This is the crucial point. Friends, conversion is not a matter of information. Conversion is not a matter of evidence. Listen, conversion is an act of the heart. Conversion is an act of the heart, a stubbornness to believe or a willingness to do it. The rich man, Jesus says to the rich man, your brothers have the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets is the scriptures. You know, scripture talks about what will happen. They have the word of God. They can take it or leave it. And then Jesus throws in some real irony here, if you missed it. Jesus says, well, if they do not hear the law and the prophets, they don't hear scripture, they're not going to hear the message even if a man should rise from the dead. Don't miss the irony. Because Jesus, in fact, did rise from the dead, and people still don't believe. Why? Because their hearts are hard. Jesus Jesus rose from the dead. The proof is irrefutable. There is more evidence that Christ rose from the dead than that Julius Caesar was the emperor of Rome. That's another whole thread. But some people refuse to believe. Why is that? Because like that rich man and maybe some of us, our hearts get hard. Faith or lack of it, friends, is a decision. A decision to love the unlovable. A decision to live differently. A decision to accept that Jesus died for your sins and now live differently because of it. And yet so many people refuse to believe. It's a decision. See, friends, what our scripture teaches today is that your decisions and mine, they matter. Your actions and mine, they matter a lot. The Christian life is a continual life of self-examination of continually looking at the way that we live and the decisions we make and asking ourselves, am I really living the way I should? If I were to stand before my maker right now, what would he say? So friends, here's the challenge, because it's the challenge Jesus gives in the parable. Where are you? Where in your life do you need to make a change? In your marriage, in your family, with the people you spend time with, it's a decision the language you use, the things that you do to occupy your time. Jesus' pastoral, loving, compassionate 
warning is clear. Do not make the mistake of the rich man. These tiny little decisions that led him towards hell. Instead, he says, make, take the time to stop, to stop and examine your life daily, hourly, and make a change before it's too late. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you, boy, for your word, which challenges us, certainly challenges me, and shows us to, the way to live lives pleasing to you. Lord, remind us that our decisions matter. How we live matters. It's not my problem. is not an option. Inflame our conscience about the changes in our own lives that need to be made. And Lord, give us the strength and courage to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.